0: up everybody jt sports here back to you guys with another episode of the jt sports podcast and on this episode i am going to be giving you guys my conference championship preview and predictions we're going to be talking about utah versus usc and the pac-12 championship game kansas state versus tcu big 12 championship clemson versus unc acc championship game And we're going to be talking about LSU taking on Georgia in the SEC championship game. Now, don't flip out because you didn't hear me mention Purdue-Michigan Big Ten championship. I have to talk about that later on during the day because I'm actually recording this at a time where I have an essay due in a couple of hours. So, I want to make sure that I have enough time to get to that. So I had to save that for the next episode, but that will be coming shortly. But I mean, there are a lot of good conference championship games that are going to be played this upcoming weekend. The game that I'm the most excited about is Utah versus USC, even though I wanted to see Oregon versus USC, but you know, Oregon was just in the holiday spirit. And they just say, you know what? we rather Utah go to the Pac-12 championship game. Because that's how it seemed like in the second half. Did y'all see that Oregon State-Oregon game? Unfreaking believable how Oregon stole that game. Unbelievable. But yeah, Utah fans should be sending Christmas cards and thank you letters to the fans of Oregon and Washington. Because without them the Utes would not be in the Pac-12 championship game. But enough rambling, let's get into it. But before we do... If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram at JT Sports underscore and on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. If you're listening to this episode of the podcast on YouTube, make sure that you go ahead, leave a like, subscribe to the channel. Make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast, man. Every single episode that is uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. Make sure that you go ahead, check us out. Give us a five-star review and share the podcast with your friends, family members, or acquaintances. Utah versus USC Pac-12 championship game. The Pac-12 Conference has been my favorite conference to watch this year. I don't know about you, but I love Pac-12 After Dark. It's actually one of the few things that I look forward to all weekend. Because, I mean, who gets the opportunity to watch football at 2 a.m.? Not too many people, bro, on the East Coast. And with me living in the state of Florida, I stay up all night to watch these Pac-12 games, bro. Like, I love Pac-12 football. USC is a three-point favorite going into this matchup. And they control their own destiny when it comes to making it into the college football playoffs. However, you're playing Utah again. And remember last year, right? Oregon. Utah had beat down Oregon once. And then we went into the Pac-12 championship game, and most of us picked Oregon because we were like, Oregon's just, Oregon is just too good of a team to lose to Utah twice. And Utah stumped them out twice. So if you're a Trojans fan, you definitely are not overlooking Utah. Even though Utah has not been as good as the team this year as many have thought, This is still a team that is more than capable of being able to pull off this upset. And they actually beat you earlier, 43-42. to And it's funny how that game started because USC got out to a lead early. But yet, Utah was able to climb back into the game. They got the ball to start the second half. They went, they scored, they tied the game up. And from that point, you know, they were trading points. Nobody's defense could get a stop. So whose defense is going to get stops in the big situations, in the big moments? Because when you're trying to analyze and break down these Pac-12 defenses, you can't really go off stats, all right? Because they're not good defenses statistically. So you have to judge them based on what they do situationally. Whoever wins this game is going to be the team whose defense can get off the field on third down and who can get stops in the red zone. The last game, Utah was the better team in third down situations. Their offense converted on third downs seven out of 13 times in that matchup. Meanwhile, USC's offense converted on third down five out of nine times. And also, Utah was better on fourth down. They converted all three of their fourth down attempts. So whoever is better in the red zone, whoever can get off the field, third, fourth down, situational football is what I'm looking at when it comes to assessing the performance of these defenses in this game. Who's going to be better situationally? You can't expect neither one of these defenses to pitch a shutout. That's not going to happen. Neither one of these defenses have really been all that great this year. So it's not like all of a sudden we're just going to see phenomenal defense and both of these two teams are going to pop out with the 46 Bears defense in this game. That's not going to happen. There's going to be a lot of offense scored and the few defensive stops that you do see are probably going to be minimum. You probably may see only two or three punts or stops all this game. Now, when you look at these offenses, man, these offenses are really fun to talk about. For USC, before I talk about this, I don't even know what to call them. This dude is just a football god and Caleb Williams. We got to talk about these wide receivers. Jordan Addison and Mario Williams torched Utah secondary the last time they played. Cornerback Clark Phillips either has to play better against jordan addison or utah has to give him some additional help in this game because you can't allow him to just dominate the way he did and then you look at mario williams i mean the dude was averaging over 30 yards per catch utah has to be able to limit the big plays that usc generates on offense 30 yards per reception is ridiculous There's no reason why that should be happening in this day and age of college football. Like Utah has the best defense in the Pac-12 talent-wise. They have a pretty good defensive line. Their linebacker unit, not as good as what it was last year. But okay, their secondary, there's talent there. They just haven't really played up to the level of their talent. Now their best defensive performance was against Oregon State. And Oregon State is a really good football team, really physical at the point of attack. So for Utah, defensively in this game, you have to do a better job at keeping everything in front of you, getting off the field in third down situations, and on top of that, being able to tackle. You know, there were a good amount of missed tackles by Utah's defense in the last matchup. Now, for Utah offensively we know what this team wants to do they want to run the football however USC's defense was pretty good against the run game of Utah in their last matchup as a matter of fact if you take out Cam Risings rushing yards in that game they didn't really have a good performance and that's something that you don't really see all that often when it comes to Utah because they are really talented at running back And they're a really physical football team. That's kind of their identity. They're bread and butter. But in this game, you know, you're going to be without Tavion Thomas, who officially is done for the year. He's going to be preparing for the NFL draft. But you still do have talent at running back. The question just is, is USC's run defense going to be as good in this game as it was in their last matchup? Because I think, For Utah to win this game, it has to, for Utah to pull off this win, I think that the offense has to be able to get the run game going in this matchup. Because Cam Rising, and enough people aren't talking about this, but he hasn't really been that good against better competition this season. I mean, you look at how he played against Oregon, Not good. And I mean, USC is probably his best performance of the season. Week one against Florida, not great. I mean, against UCLA, he didn't really have that good of a performance. Like, Cam Rising is solid. But at the same time, in these big games, he isn't as good as a lot of people think. And he is one of the best quarterbacks in this conference, but he has a tendency to turn the football over in big moments. I just think for Utah, their best shot at winning this game is by getting that run game going because then that helps out their defense because then their defense doesn't have to be on the field. They stay on the sideline. They get more rest and you keep USC's offense off the field also. And if Utah can win time of possession, And their defense can just get a stop or two enough that it buys Utah a three-point lead. And that leads to them winning this game by three points. You know, I think if you're Kyle Winnington, you take that. However, the team that I'm going to take to win this game, I'm going to go with USC. I mean, USC has Caleb Williams. I understand that Travis Dye isn't going to be available for this matchup. And he did have a pretty big impact in their last affair. It may not be reflected in the box score or the stat sheet, but Travis Dye was a really big part of that USC offense back when these two teams had first met up with each other. However, with him gone, I want to see how USC's offense kind of changes in a sense in terms of how effective is the rushing attack going to be. But at the same time, this team is going to be led by Caleb Williams, who probably is going to end up winning the Heisman Trophy. Listen, this dude is insane. He's making throws that I've never seen made ever before in my life. He's like a mixture of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. He's like a cyborg. And I don't know what God was thinking when he was um, making Caleb Williams. But, I mean, this dude made a damn good football player, and he's the reason why I have confidence in USC winning this game. I think this game is going to come down to, without a doubt, who gets the ball last, like he did last time. I think for USC, with them, hopefully they get a little bit more time than what they did in the last game. However, I just think Caleb Williams is going to find a way to make a play late in this game that is going to get the win for USC. I think they win the Pac-12 championship. They win this game, and they clinch their spot in the college football playoffs. I'm taking the Trojans. Kansas State versus TCU in the Big 12 championship game. This game is going to be played this Saturday, 12 p.m. Eastern time on ABC The Horned Frogs are a a two-and-a-half point favorite going into this matchup. All they have to do is win, and they're in. Perfect 12-0, facing 9-3 Kansas State. Now, Kansas State is a really good team. As a matter of fact, I think that they probably are the most complete team in this conference. Okay? TCU has a better offense than Kansas State. But Kansas State has a better defense. They have two really good defensive ends who are really good at getting after the quarterback. I think that their secondary has some talent, even though they did suffer some injuries to their two starting safeties who are not going to be playing in this game. But Kansas State's defense, in my opinion, is the best in this conference. And this defense showed up to play in their last outing because at one point, tcu was down 28 to 10 and you may ask yourself okay what happened well kansas state's backup quarterback will howard they ended up running him on a design quarterback run he got injured and he had to come out for a couple of series and even before that before he even came into the game adrian martinez started for the first series and then he took himself out the game and will howard came in now I really want to know how big of an impact is Adrian Martinez going to have in this game, if any. Because he is dealing with an injury, so he is questionable. However, they have went ahead and announced that Will Howard is going to be quarterback one for this game. Regardless if Adrian Martinez can play or not. And if Adrian Martinez can play in this game... They came out and said that they're working on some special packages for him. So they're going to find a way to get him involved. I hope that they can get him involved. Because Adrian Martinez, when he was healthy before he went down with his injury, there were some people who had Adrian Martinez in the Heisman conversation. And I mean, this dude is really dynamic with his legs. So I think for Kansas State, you know, if Adrian Martinez can suit up to play in this game, I definitely feel like... Finding a way to get him involved in this game gives them a better chance at winning because their offense runs through Deuce Vaughn. Now, they do have a couple of playmakers, but they're not as talented on the perimeter as TCU is. So, for Kansas State, this is a team that loves to run the football. However, they can throw the football and do it at a pretty high level. And they're really good at getting chunk plays as well. But the thing... With TCU is that their defense has started to play really well over the last couple of weeks. And I think that this defense has now started to hit their stride. Yeah, they blew out Iowa State. I know Iowa State isn't a juggernaut. But TCU has had some really good performances this year on the defense side of football. And not enough people have talked about it. Because when you think of TCU, you just think of a team who can score a lot of points. But if you go back and you watch their win against Texas, they showed you that they can win with defense. They held Brian B. John Robinson to under 50 yards rushing. And this is somebody who has been going golf for damn near 200 yards a game over the past month. And that was pretty much the worst game of the season for B. John Robinson. So this is a TCU team that defensively, they do have the capability of being able to turn it up on you. And you look at Kansas State, what happened in that last game when Will Howard went down, the backup quarterback came in, TCU had an interception on them, and by the time Will Howard came back into the game, TCU already had all the momentum. So you just wonder if Kansas State's defense is going to be able to come into this game and have the same performance that they had week seven back when they were up 28-10. Because, I mean, their defense played good enough to give them a 28-10 lead, so how can they not be able to do it again? And I don't think their defense collapsed. If anything, their defense was put at a disadvantage Once the third-string quarterback had to come in and the offense couldn't move the ball, they were going three and out, having the punt, not really having any good drives offensively, and the defense ended up having to come back for more plays than what they should have been on the field for. They got tired. TCU took advantage. In this game, I think that Kansas State, without their two top safeties, sincere Mason and Kobe Savage, not being able to play both out for the year, I think that TCU is definitely going to be able to take advantage of that. And another thing is that TCU, hopefully they can do a better job protecting Max Duggins in this game because for Kansas State defensively in this game, I really think the pass rush is going to be really important because if you can have another game like you did last time where you get four sacks on Max Duggins, it definitely helps your chances because TCU is a big play offense. Yeah, they do have the capability of being able to be methodical and do a lot of good things inside the numbers and be efficient and move the chains. But at the same time, I think that this is more of an offense that is more built for the big play. And you do have a really good running back. You can run the football at a really high level. But I think with Max Duggins and his passing attack, you definitely look at the fact that TCU is going to be a their There are two top safeties in this game. Hell, I say start the game out taking shots deep, attacking those safeties, attacking those two new safeties who are going to be playing in this game. Well, they're not really new because they have started a couple of matchups. But I just think for TCU, You should be able to have a lot of success when it comes to getting a lot of big plays over the top on the back end of that Kansas State defense with the injuries that they have. However, they have some ball hawks on this team. You know, uh, one of their safeties was actually tied for the team lead in interceptions. But they do have some good corners. And I think that overall, this secondary is good enough to force some turnovers. Max Duggins. Doesn't turn the football over all that much. So you wonder for TCU in this game, right? What happens if they get down 28-10 again? Or if they just end up trailing again? Because this has been a team that has been really good at finding ways to will themselves to wins. But in this game, this time, you know, if they get down again, I don't think they're going to win. You look at the last game, Will Rogers, I believe, or Will Howard, I believe if he doesn't get injured, Kansas State probably wins that game. Because once he went down, their defense kind of was able to take advantage of the third-string quarterback who came in. And I think for TCU, you know, you're fifth in the Big 12 and sacks giving up. And Kansas State is second in the Big 12 and sacks with 27. So they can get after the quarterback. And they can put TCU in situations where they get them in the third and long and they can just play back and just keep everything in front of them and not have to worry about TCU beating them over the top. I think that Kansas State is really good at converting in third and medium situations or shorter. They get in the third and five and they're really effective. Because that allows them to still get Deuce Vaughn involved. Rather that be on the ground or via the air. And if you're TCU. How can you put Kansas State in uncomfortable situations in third down? Well the key is trying to stop Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn is the heart and soul of this offense. You can't allow Deuce Vaughn to beat you on third down. And I said this a couple of weeks ago when Alabama had to play Ole Miss. If Ole Miss was going to have a chance at winning that game or keeping it close, they were going to have to be able to slow down Jameer Gibbs. Now, Jameer Gibbs got injured. He ended up leaving that game at one point. But when he was in that game, Ole Miss did a really good job at shutting him down. Against LSU, Jameer Gibbs was getting hella third-down receptions and killing them. And when you look at Deuce Vaughn, you can't allow him to affect the game in that way, okay? Like, I don't think Deuce Vaughn is going to get shut down. But at the same time, you can't limit how much of an impact he has in this game, okay? You can't allow Deuce Vaughn to take over this ball game. Because once you allow Dudes Vaughn to take over the game, then that means that Kansas State is now able to get that ring game going. They're churning out yards on third down. They're converting. They're getting you into third and one. They're right up the gut, easy. Like for TCU, stopping Deuce Vaughn definitely has to be the focal point for their defense. And we all know this, but at the same time, it's like Kansas State offensively, they're not all that talented compared to TCU. And yeah, they can keep up with you. They can put up points. However, I think that if TCU can get a couple of stops, if this game ends up leaning towards a shootout, which we probably expect it to be, I think this matchup favors TCU. And that's why I'm going to take TCU to win this game. I was close to taking Kansas State, but it's just that with the injuries that they have in the back end of their secondary, That worries me. TCU is a big play offense. What they like to do, throw the ball downfield. And without their two top safeties in this game, I really don't know how effective their secondary is going to be at limiting the big plays of the TCU offense. And Max Duggins is playing as good as any other quarterback in college football. Quentin Johnston is questionable for this game. He didn't play against Iowa State but many people are optimistic about him playing in this game and suiting up so i'm going to take TCU i'm not super confident but at the same time like i give them the edge because they are the more talented team i do think overall they are better even though Kansas State does have a better defense I just like TCU in this game. But I'm not extremely confident about taking them to win this game. And I do think Kansas State has a really good shot at winning this thing. But I'm going to take TCU. I think they win this game. And they clinch their spot in the college football playoffs for the first time ever. LSU versus Georgia. This is a really interesting game. Okay, for not a lot of reasons. But just interesting to me because Georgia is a 17 and a half point favorite going into this matchup. And you look at LSU, LSU has kind of overachieved this season. I don't really think anybody expected LSU to be playing in the SEC championship game at the start of this season, at least over Alabama. Can LSU keep this game competitive until the fourth quarter? It's the question that I always ask anytime I'm previewing a game that involves Georgia. Because that really is the question. Anytime you play Georgia, can you last into the fourth quarter? Because if you can't, then what's even the point of talking about this game? You get what I'm saying? So it always starts with that. Can LSU make it to the fourth quarter? Now, how can LSU keep this game competitive until the fourth quarter well it's going to come down to one player and that is Jaden Daniels Jaden Daniels needs to get back to playing like a superstar if LSU is even going to have the chance at keeping this game close against Florida when LSU went on the road 45-35 Jaden Daniels through for 349 passing yards, three touchdowns. He also had three rushing touchdowns against Ole Miss when they beat them 45 20. Jaden Daniels 21 28, 248 passing yards, two touchdowns, 121 rushing yards, three touchdowns. When LSU upset Alabama in overtime, Jaden Daniels 22 32, 182 passing yards, two touchdowns, 95 rush yards one touchdown when Jaden Daniels plays well LSU more times than not is winning or they're in a one possession game however when Jaden Daniels doesn't play well you get what you got last week and getting beat by Texas a and 38-23 Jaden Daniels in that game 21-35 189 passing yards, a touchdown. He also had 84 rushing yards. Now, he wasn't awful, but it definitely wasn't as good as the previous three performances that he had against Florida, Old Miss, and Alabama. You want another example? Shoo, Arkansas. Yeah, weather was a little bit of a factor and whatnot, but at the same time, you know, still could have been a better performance. Wasn't the performances that we saw against Alabama, Old Miss, and Florida. So, If LSU is going to have a chance at keeping this game close and a chance at pulling off this upset, Jaden Daniels, without a doubt, has to ball out. He has to play like a superstar. LSU's offensive line is up and down. You don't really know what you're going to get from their offensive line going into this SEC championship game. And not just with this LSU offensive line, but just this LSU team... In general. Because when they played Tennessee, they got stumped, And I kind of thought that it was going to be a really good game. And it wasn't. And Georgia, yes, they are the best team in college football. But they're not unbeatable. Okay, we saw them get pushed to the wire against Missouri. Missouri has a really good defense. We saw Kentucky. Give Georgia a little bit of a game. Now, the result was never in question. You watch that Kentucky game. There wasn't really a moment where I think too many of us were like, oh, yeah, Georgia has a shot at losing this thing. Like, nah. You get what I'm saying? Like, Georgia wasn't impressive in that win. It definitely wasn't one of their better performances. However, they showed that they cannot muscle you. And for LSU, you know, I think that they need to look at last year's SEC championship game. When Alabama came into this game and they were underdogs in a lot of people's eyes. You remember what the narrative was about Alabama going into that 2021 SEC championship game? A lot of people thought that Georgia was not only going to beat Alabama, but they were going to do it emphatically. And what did Alabama do the week after their offensive line was terrible against Auburn and the iron Bowl, They have their best performance all season against the best defensive line in college football that year with Jordan Davis. I mean, there were a lot of monsters on that defensive line that Georgia had and in that sec championship game, Nick Saban and company were able to find a way to get the most out of that offensive line for LSU. You got to be able to do the same thing. Now, I don't know what Brian Kelly can do to get his offensive line playing at a higher level for this game. But you got to do something. You know, maybe take him out to eat. Take him to Ruth Chris. Get him a nice little steak. Get him a little little pumped up for this game. Be like, you know, I'm taking y'all out to eat because I'm just trying to reward you guys for how you played this season. You know? And we need you guys to have your best game of the year. So we want you guys to have the best meal of the year. So we're going to take you out to Roof Chris. You know, get them boys some steaks. Get them big boys some steaks, man. Them big boys love to eat. I'm pretty sure they'll love a nice little steak at Roof Chris. You know, just give them a little added motivation for this game, man. But all jokes aside, Brian Kelly has to find a way to get this offensive line playing at a good level. Because you look at this on paper... It's a mismatch. And it's not that LSU doesn't have the talent. I mean, they have some talented guys on this offensive line. It's just that it's just been inconsistent. You know, you're still trying to get the chemistry, everything down packed. It's just been inconsistent. The offensive line is still a work in progress. You know, LSU has exceeded expectations. They've made it to the SEC championship game. And they've done it with so far offensive line play. Now, their offensive line hasn't looked bad in every game. They definitely have had some good performances. But you don't really know what you're going to get from this unit in this game against a really good defensive line. And although the stats say that Georgia isn't great when it comes to getting consistent pressure on the quarterback, I mean, you go back and you look at that Tennessee game, I mean, they were, they were getting after Hendon Hooker. That defense had no problem getting pressure against Tennessee's offensive line, which is pretty good. As a matter of fact, it's better than LSU's offensive line. So for LSU in this game, you know, you have to be able to win that of scrimmage. Not just when it comes to playing Georgia, but that's really any of the best teams in college football. You look at Michigan. Why did Ohio State lose to the Wolverines? Because Michigan was better up front. And I know I'm spending a lot of time talking about the matchup of the defensive line of Georgia versus the offensive line of LSU, but it's really important because, I mean, that's really the biggest factor outside of Jaden Daniels. Because, yeah, Jaden Daniels is going to be able to extend plays. He's going to pick up yards with his legs and buy time for receivers to get open. But at the same time, you can't ask him to do it every single play. You got to give him some help. So if Jaden Daniels is going to have a superstar performance, then his offensive line needs to have a superstar performance as well. And another thing that we can take away from last year's SEC championship game when Alabama won is that Alabama was able to get pressure on Stetson Bennett. You know, they had three sacks. Georgia had none. You have to be able to out-physical Georgia. You got to get physical with them. LSU has a really good defensive line. Okay, their defensive line can get pressure on the quarterback also. And they have a really good group of pass rushers. So I think that defensively, you know, I think that LSU's defense could keep them around in this game. You may be like, whoa, JT, like, how you going to say that when this is the same LSU team who couldn't stop Texas A&M and couldn't stop Tennessee? Listen. This is an LSU defense that's going against a Georgia offense that isn't Tennessee, okay? They're not running the kind of stuff that Tennessee's running. I think that the styles of LSU's defense and Georgia's offense are a pretty good matchup. I think that LSU definitely has the capability of being able to match Georgia's physicality on the defense side of the football with their offensive line their offensive line is super physical but i think that up front that front seven of lsu also can be really physical at times but another thing is that not only do you have to be physical with georgia but you also have to be composed you see last year in the sec championship game you look at the final score you see alabama 41 Georgia 24. But what if I told you at one point during that game, Alabama was trailing. Alabama was down, what, 10-0, 10-7? And then they ended up getting hot. And then they ended up winning the game. When you play Georgia, you can't get rattled. When you get down early, you still have to be able to keep You have to be able to keep your composure. You have to be able to stay calm. Tennessee got rattled against Georgia. And it was blatantly obvious. And not just because of the home crowd, but you could tell that the moment was just way too big for Tennessee. For LSU, the moment can never get too big for you. Every time you need to make a play, you gotta execute. Every single time. Like what you did against Alabama. When LSU needed Big plays against Bama, guess what? They got them. They got the two-point conversion, which won the game for them. So for LSU, you got to be able to get pressure on Stetson Bennett. You got to be able to match Georgia's physicality, stay composed, and lastly, win the turnover battle. Alabama had no turnovers in their win against Georgia in the SEC championship game. Georgia had two. So you got to win the turnover margin. And you need the Jaden Daniels takeover to activate. Now for Georgia, obviously, what do you need to do to win? Well, first of all, don't turn the football over. Don't make dumb penalties. Because that's the two common denominators for upsets, penalties, turnovers. Third thing is, I think it's pretty simple. Don't let Jaden Daniels take over. Keep him in the pocket. Don't let him get outside the pocket. You want to keep him inside the pocket and force him to throw from inside there because although he is a pretty good passer inside the pocket, the offensive line isn't great. So if there's no way for him to escape and the offensive line is, you know, collapsing, what's he going to do? Nothing. So you got to be able... Stop Jaden Daniels. You can't allow him to take over this game because if you do, it's going to be close. Because when Jaden Daniels is at his best, he's one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Think about it he's accurate, he's dynamic with the football when he decides to tuck in and run, and most importantly, he doesn't turn the football over. So you can trust him late in games in any situation. And for LSU, Jaden Daniels pretty much is their team. I mean, if you take out his rushing yards, this team's rushing attack, it's not that great without Jaden Daniels. So, I mean, this team is built off Jaden Daniels' performance. Jaden Daniels plays well. This is going to be a close game. LSU has the potential to win. If Jaden Daniels doesn't play well, they're going to lose. And I'm going to take Georgia to win this game. Now, I know a lot of you guys are probably going to be like, oh, JT, it was pretty obvious you were going to take Georgia. Like, listen, <clears throat> excuse me, LSU making it to the SEC Championship this year is a huge accomplishment. I think that Brian Kelly most definitely should be in the conversation for Coach of the Year. They're probably going to give it to Sonny Dykes. But he definitely is going to be one of the three finalists for that award. He's done a fantastic job with this team. You know, LSU has some pretty good wins. You know, they beat Mississippi State. That was a really solid win. You got a win against Florida, Alabama, Ole Miss. But this is probably their toughest task. You know, and I definitely hope that this game is competitive. I don't want to see a blowout in this game. Kind of would be a giant letdown. You definitely want to see... LSU play their best football and their biggest game of the season and you hope that they play up to the moment you know I see everybody saying that Georgia's the best team in college football yes they are but they're not as good as what they were last year you know they can be beat and I definitely do expect them to be in some close games when we get to the college football playoffs however you know LSU definitely does have the recipe to pull off this upset you got the quarterback and you got a really good defense well a defense that has potential to be really physical with georgia you look at missouri you go back and you look at that missouri game missouri's defense was really getting after it they were matching georgia's physicality i think that's a really good example and then missouri has probably one of the more underrated defenses in this conference same thing with kentucky So for LSU, if they can be physical and not get out-muscled and manhandled up front on both sides of the football, I think that this game could be close, but I am taking Georgia to get the win. Um, I'm going to be back. I got to take a little water break real quick. Give me like 15 seconds. Oh, snap. Man, I almost coughed out that last segment. All right, so for those of you guys who are still listening and made it to this point of the podcast, thank you. I appreciate that. Make sure that you go ahead and follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at sports underscore underscore and on Instagram at sports underscore. On my Instagram page, I upload kind of like bonus content. Sometimes I would do live in-game reactions. I would make reels to certain things that happen during games. I also upload rankings, top tens, just a lot of extra bonus content that I wouldn't post normally on the channel. I post on the social media pages on Instagram and on Twitter, so make sure to go ahead and check me out there. Make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast, man. Leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Check us out, man. Check us out. Last game that we have to talk about. ACC Championship. We have Clemson taking on North Carolina. And yes, this is football, people. Not basketball. You look at North Carolina, man. And I was talking to a lot of my homeboys about this game. And many of them think that Clemson is going to blow out North Carolina. And, you know, I had a hard time agreeing with my homeboys when they were saying that. Because, yes, I understand that North Carolina, they're definitely trending in the wrong direction at the wrong time. When you make it to a conference championship game, you should be playing your best football. You should be peaking. Not regressing. North Carolina got upset by Georgia Tech. Then, just last week, they lost again to their rival, NC State, in overtime. So this is a North Carolina football team right now that they're looking for some answers. And Clemson, they're coming off a loss as well to their rival in South Carolina. However, if you go back and you watch that game, They really lost that game because of Beamer Ball. Special teams is what killed Clemson in that matchup. Now, Clemson's offense is probably going to be what a lot of Tar Heel fans are going to talk about in this game. They're going to say, oh, JT, you saw how DJ Uyongole struggled against South Carolina. I mean, the dude isn't that great of a passer, and although our defense isn't great, we should be able to get a couple of stops in this game. And I agree with that. However, I think for that to hold true for north carolina's defense to be able to get some stops in this game they have to be able to stop the run game first and that's really has been the strength of clemson's team you know being able to have efficiency in the run game with dj uyongle and will shipley at running back so if you can shut down the run game of clemson and you get them one-dimensional where the only way they can move the ball offensively is by throwing the football, then I think that your defense kind of has a little bit of an advantage. Yes, North Carolina, their defense hasn't been great all year. I understand that. However, if you were a North Carolina Tar Heels fan, and defensively you had to pick which one you rather have, you rather have Clemson beating you and dominating you on the ground, or you rather them beat you with DJ Uyongle. I'm pretty sure Tar Heel fans rather the DJ Uyongle part. Because at least you have a chance at getting some turnovers and some interceptions. Because DJ Uyongle, he's not bad, but he's not great. And as a passer, he is extremely streaky. So you're going to have opportunities for some interceptions and some turnovers. And it does take DJ Uyongle a while to get going. DJ Uyongle is one of those players that if he starts the game out hot, he's going to have a good game. But if he starts the game out cold, he's probably going to struggle for the whole entire game. So for North Carolina, yeah, I know their defense hasn't been great this year. But I mean, it's not like you need your defense to be the... What, the Chicago Bears? What, the 46 Bears or something like that? You don't need that kind of defense, okay? North Carolina's offense, I think, should be able to put points up on Clemson's defense. Yes, I know that Clemson has one of the best defensive lines, if not the best defensive line in college football. And North Carolina's offensive line, you do have a lot of concerns about it with how they played over the last couple of weeks. However, their offense has Drake at quarterback. Somebody who at one point, many people felt should have been the front runner for Heisman at one point. Now, he still has played some really good football, even though the Georgia Tech game, probably his worst game of the season. But I think that North Carolina's offense is going to be able to get points on Clemson's defense because UNC, they have talent on the perimeter. Yes, we know that up front, Clemson is probably going to be able to have their way with them. However, I do think that the passing game is going to be there because I don't think Clemson's secondary is that good. And I know Clemson fans are going to get all rallied up about it, but the strength of this Clemson defense is in the front seven, not the secondary. I saw Spencer Rattler make some bad throws and some big mistakes against Clemson last week, and I also saw him make some really good throws against his Clemson secondary as well. And Clemson also got destroyed by sam hartman in wake forest i mean sam hartman had six touchdowns he was 20 27 337 yards six touchdowns he looked flawless so i'm just saying that the strength of the defense for clemson is in the front seven okay north carolina we know that this team isn't going to have a lot of success running the football pretty much but they don't need to okay the strength of their team is throwing the football with Drake freaking May. He's thrown for 3,847 pass yards, 35 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. And he has 629 rushing yards as well. If you're North Carolina, you're just telling Drake May, go out there and do your thing. The defense, you're just crossing your fingers that you can get two or three stops and Maybe you get a turnover. Hopefully you can force DJ Youngley to throw an interception or two and that can help you out. But I think for North Carolina in this game, you don't need your defense to be fantastic. I think three or four stops could help you win this game. I think that may be what all you need because I think that your offense can score on Clemson's defense if your offensive line can hold up, hopefully, because you do have a really talented wide receiver. And Josh Downs, who is the best wide receiver in this conference, in my opinion, super dynamic, 83 receptions, 929 receiving yards and 11 touchdowns, the dude is a beast. I think he's going to be in for a big game. I also think Drake May could be in for a big game. It's just that, you know, I kind of think that for North Carolina, they should be able to get up for this game, you know? I think that, yes, Clemson is more talented, but I think offensively, You know, if this game ends up being a shootout, and it definitely does have the potential to go that way, because even if Clemson is getting pressure on Drake May, right? UNC is an offense that even if you put them in third-line situations, they can still convert. This is an offense that is more than capable of being able to generate big plays. So even if their offensive line struggles which they most likely will, and they do get behind the chains, I still have confidence in their ability to get that yardage back because they do have Drake May. And this Clemson secondary is not all that great. As a matter of fact, you probably could call it average. So if I'm UNC defensively and I'm their defensive coordinator, I'm going all in on stopping the run, stopping DJ Uyungle with his legs, and stopping Will Shipley and forcing Clemson to put the ball in the air. Clemson doesn't want to throw the football. I'm pretty sure if you talk to Dabo Sweeney about what Clemson needs to do to win this game, I'm pretty sure airing the football out on North Carolina's secondary is the last thing on this list. Clemson wants to run the football with Will Shipley. They want to limit how many times they have to throw the ball with DJ Uyungle. And they really just want to beat you with the ground game. Now, they can beat you in the passing game. And DJ Youngley, he's not a scrub. And North Carolina doesn't have a good defense. So he is going to have some throws that are going to be made that you're going to say, ooh, nice throw. And he is going to have some throws that you say, ooh, you know, where's the other dude at? You feel me? But the team I'm going to take to win this game, I'm going with Clemson. The reason why I'm taking Clemson to win, I spend a lot of time talking about North Carolina, but it's like, bruh, everybody expects Clemson to win this game. So I'd rather talk about how North Carolina can win this game versus just only talking for three, four minutes about why Clemson's gonna win and North Carolina doesn't have a chance. Like, North Carolina has a legit chance at winning this game, okay? We saw South Carolina beat Clemson. Hell, we saw Notre Dame beat Clemson. And Notre Dame's offense isn't better than UNC's. The only thing that Notre Dame has that UNC doesn't is an offensive line. That's it. Yeah, they can run the football, but I mean, if you're UNC, who gives a damn about running the football? You got Drake May. You can throw the football. Like, running the football, I don't really think it's a necessity in this game because you haven't really done it all this year. Play to your strength. Your strength is throwing the football. So air it out. South Carolina upset Clemson last week. This is a good possibility that UNC could do the same thing. I don't think this game is going to be a blowout. Clemson is a seven and a half point favorite. I'm going to take UNC to cover, but I think Clemson wins outright. Maybe I'm putting a little bit too much stock into teams being able to get up for these championship games and actually play at a high level. But I think that North Carolina should be able to give Clemson a competitive game. So Clemson is the team I'm going to take the win. But I do think that North Carolina covers. This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure that you guys give us a five-star review. The JT Sports Podcast is available on all podcasting platforms, wherever you get your podcast from, Spotify, Apple, Google, amazon the jt sports podcast is available all you gotta do is go down to the link down in the description or the pinned comment section and it will give you direct links to the spotify and apple podcast or you can go to whichever podcasting service that you use type in the jt sports podcast and it will pop up once again make sure that you guys check out the jt sports podcast follow us on all of our social media platforms twitter at JT sports underscore underscore and on Instagram at JT sports underscore and I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the J